What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. There's only so many hours in a day and there's only so much capacity up here yeah. for bullshit that I've learned. Like the, you, you heard me crack, snap, crackle, pop, just pointing. Yeah, yeah. Your I'm 41 yeah. and I'm making those noises. Yeah. God damn it. I put on some rough miles though. We can like start anytime we want. I'm just going to start right now because let's launch into this because I want to let people know we are into episode 14. 14. Uh, 14 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And for more information, check out extensionmarketing.com. So you've already heard Jody Minnick. He's already kind of popped in because he pretty much knows how to do this podcasting <laughs> thing. And then I was thinking as I was, I was looking as an introduction to where to even start with you because it went soldier, politician, best-selling author, reality TV star. Yeah. Then you have father. And, yeah. You have double amputee. You have advocate for mental health, undergoing and, and still battling like PTSD. Like, oh my God, look at you. You're about, to, you're about all, to pass out going no, and listing this, this list. Yeah. But I'm like, the more you say it, the more I'm like, oh no, I need a nap. Um, but it's like a lot of that stuff overlaps too. I know. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to lower my uh, my workload. Okay, when you when you listen to that list, yeah. for you, is there one that stands out more as than another? Yes. Yeah, as, <laughs> as as anything, like how you describe yourself or um, where you see the I'm level of importance. Yeah. I gotta be honest, Leanne. Like you're 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 like I I see people like you, Stefan Keys, uh, a few other uh, maybe. Evan Solomon now and then, when he has his moments of brilliance. Um, we're like these, we kind of do it all. We try. Yeah. And some of us, like you and the list I just rhymed off, are really good at deciding which direction to go in and concentrate on. And then there's people like me. And we're like the squirrel, right? We kind of just bounce around. And sometimes we're really good at something and sometimes we're really terrible at it. But the things that I'm bad at, I seem to try the hardest at. Really? Just yeah. because you're, you the, see yourself as a pain in the ass, or because no, 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 you're... because because I can't accept less than my best effort mm -hmm. for myself. But the more I try and put my best effort into some things, the less effort I put into others. So it's a constant merry-go-round of um, of like disappointing myself, which is one of the reasons I got into so much trouble with the politics. Um, not that politics is hard or... And, okay, sorry. Let me rewind 30 seconds. Politics is the hardest thing I think I've ever done. Really? Yeah. I'm like, it's easy. Over the military training, the sniper training. Yeah, like, all, okay. easy shit. Okay. Like you just... You, uh, you have a mission. Yeah. And uh, you have a... So a mission is a goal. At the end of the day, a mission is just a goal. Like we all do. You do your fitness, mm. nutrition goals, professional goals, life goals. A mission is just a goal. So we're here, we want to go over there. And in between is the bad guys and all kinds of obstacles. So politics, I look, looked at it the same, and it is the same. You have a, you're, you're one place, you want to get to another. And the, 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 the genius of combat is that you have to be able to improvise, right? So in World War I, they finally figured out, oh, if we let the troops think for themselves, they'll get the job done. And that's how we took Bimmy Ridge and so on. Politics, it's the same. You have to be able to shift left, right, up and down on the fly. But there's a whole, like, I don't know, from the soldier level, there's a whole other level of, like, there's espionage, and then there's, you know, you got spies <laughs> over here, you got counterintelligence over there. We have all that on the battlefield, too, but it's a lot more, like, in the moment you deal with the problem at hand. Yeah. And the bigger picture tends to work itself out. Because you can win the mission and lose the war and vice versa. And uh, in politics, I tend to deal with the problem head on. And it works a lot of the time. And then a lot of times, it just seems to get you, not in trouble, but, uh, I don't know, abra you're called abrasive, if hmm. that makes sense. And I'm not a, it's not that I'm a hard person to talk to. It's that I'm not, 
Um, sometimes I just don't want to bend. Do you find? So can we talk about this? We'll kind of yeah, go from there and then go back a little open bit because book. I mean, you left politics. I haven't no, left. You haven't fully left. You didn't well, seek I'm, re-election. I'm, I'm not seeking re-election. Okay. Is it something that you still see in your future then? Yeah. Like this yeah. is a you know, there's so many other factors this going on in your life that you needed to take a step back from it. But it's not like you're walking away fully from politics. You can actually see yourself. Still staying within it. Yeah, this is uh, in military terms is a tactical pause. Okay. And I'm uh, I'm um, I'm reconstituting, uh, resupplying, mm-hmm. and uh, and and picking a new direction. Uh, municipal politics. Here's the thing: you should run. Everyone, listen carefully. Everyone should run for municipal politics once in their life. Why on earth would we do that to ourselves? Because we because this is the system that governs our way of life, and this is the foundation of it. You think federal and provincial get, like, federal gets all the press because, you know, well, now it's Trudeau and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? If your fl- toilet doesn't flush right. and your lights don't turn on and 911 doesn't send a cop or an ambulance or fire or all three, if there's no dog catcher, if there's no park, like, that's all municipal. Mm-hmm. And your municipal government does it all with less than uh, any type of budget that the Fed, like, the federal and provincial ways of making money just keeps, <laughs> just keeps growing. And ours doesn't, and we have to find a way to spend three and a half billion dollars a year, uh, in a way that keeps a million people happy over one of the largest municipal uh, ground holdings in the world. The city of London is smaller than Ottawa and has nine and a half million people in it. I actually try to to explain that to people when I'm trying to explain Ottawa because we don't have this massive. Downtown, downtown kind of you know skyrocket buildings and this kind of this business section and I'm like you have no idea the city spreads so far out yeah like, and it's 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 a, it was a part of amalgamation see this is the genius of running for municipal not only even if you lose and you never have no chance you have no choice but to learn right so the city of Ottawa as it is now is amalgamated under Mike Harris as a, was the GTA and a few others like Hamilton and uh, and Kitchener, Waterloo was turned into whatever. Anyway, let's concentrate on Ottawa, where we are. So um, we brought in all the villages and towns around us. We brought, um, there was Ottawa, there was Canada, there was um, all those towns. Yeah. Anyway. I got it. Uh, but the land mass is our issue, right? So if I look at Stephen Blay, the councillor right next to me. He's got Cumberland. So he's got a little tiny bit of concentration in what's in his part of Orleans that he still has. But he's got all these little villages throughout his uh, ward, and they don't qualify for small town grants from the province or the feds like they would if they were still their own little towns. But they, they like they, but they, because they fall within Ottawa. So he's constantly trying to convince the province or the feds that no, like that the like Navin, the village of Navin, one hundred percent needs the money that they're asking yeah. for from you, because I can't give it to them from the city level because I don't have it. And so it's this constant battle of, oh, well, they would qualify except they're within the boundaries of Ottawa. And then so they don't get the money that other town little villages get. But we have a million people, because we always get compared to, to Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. Toronto is like a quarter of the size of Ottawa as far as landmass-ish, maybe a third. And they have three and a half the amount of people per like. Right. So yeah, it's super easy for them to keep the roads clear and to keep every pot. I hadn't thought of it that way actually. And so you got to think. So as a municipal politician, what I've learned is, and it's taxes are like crops, right? So I get shit because I'm a fan of uh, density and and height. Mm-hmm. So whatever, and you know, in the downtown, they're fighting the more and more to get height out of mm-hmm. the buildings. Well, you got to look at it as a farmer, like a yield per crop. So for for every acre. How much taxes can I get out of it? And if I stack 78 stories of people on top of each other in a condo worth 300 grand per condo minimum, like that's a lot of taxes in that acre, right? And then that gives us like more ability to deliver services that acre. And that's why I've been encouraging development along Innis Road out in my area and things like that because the more people you can pack into these areas, the more services you can deliver because you have more money that you can take from that spot. It does not feel at all that you've stepped away mentally from the world of politics right now. <laughs> yeah, but that's the that's the thing, like, that's the math side. Like for shooting, yeah. right? Like I'm a sniper, so like I look at that like a ballistics chart. Like if I, I take this ammo at this range versus this target, it all equals a, an equation that will probably result in a, in a positive outcome. 
So I look at politics the same way that, okay, if I can get a developer to build a condo at the corner of Innocent Paget at 12 stories, they can pay for a new park in that neighborhood mm-hmm. for the last 40 years. So you, you got to think of it that way. But that's what I mean. Everyone should run so they would know when and when to really give their politician shit and when to support them. Because we don't, I'll tell you right now, Leanne, in this town, in my opinion, we don't get enough support when it comes to the really important stuff. And I don't mean people are against us. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying people are giving us a hard time. But my colleagues and I work really hard, I feel, to engage the public in, in, in some of the important stuff. And on the media side, and I know you're not in there anymore, but they very, they're very hard to engage. And then the public, where they get their media, right, mm-hmm. depending if it's Twitter or whatever um, delivery system now, something good will get a headline that makes it sound kind of bad. And you just, uh, you're like, man, come on, just work with me this one time. We're trying to do something really good. And it's not like crying in your Cheerios. It's just like if we all pulled together on the same rope, yeah, it might be uh, easier. And I know we're taking up a lot of time in politics right no, now, but, but in my life, yeah. it's actually taken up a lot of my time recently. You know, it, It's taken up a lot of the time. It's where you found yourself kind of after your post-military, yes. your post-Amazing uh, you know, Race Canada uh, adventures. You did find yourself in politics, and I think people were really excited because they... They liked you. They knew your story. You were liked. Uh, I didn't. Don't. I'm talking when we're talking the voting pro. You know, and yet at the no. same time, I think as you were going through your battles, which I do want to, I yeah. want to get to because it takes a lot to feel like you're not living up to what you had promised. Yeah. Uh, you were not able to make some of the meetings. Like there were things that were going on. Um, that's the time. Okay, I want to mention right now that right now you're, because for those who can't see this, you're, what, are you adjusting prosthetic your prosthetic legs? Yeah. Are, are you in pain? Like, right? I, no, yeah, no, are you in no, pain I'm right not. now? No, no? Not my legs. No, it's great. Because uh, yeah. for a long time, and this is something you've been dealing with, there's been an excruciating amount of pain yeah. with the legs and the prosthetics. And yeah, well, I wasn't wearing them the way that I should have. Now I am. Yeah. To a, to an extent, like these sleeves you see over top. Yeah. Uh, you never used to see these. No, I never saw those. Yeah. So I wore them with a vacuum suction, and that was causing too much damage to the bottom of the uh, legs through the suction. And I, cause I noticed everyone with double below knee wore sleeves. Everyone else. And you just. Well, I was like, because you lose a lot of movement, right? You lose a lot of mobility in the knee. Because there's this. So this is. This is like three or four millimeters. And then there's the socks that go between the leg and my leg. And that's about however many millimeters. And then there's uh, the liner I put over my leg before I put the leg on. So that's another few mil. So you're talking about like almost a centimeter of stuff. Before it. For me between. to for me to bend as well. So getting in and out of my jeep, going upstairs, like things like that. Like you just lose that movement in the knee. It's funny because for so many years, I, especially when we when I interviewed you in the station, you were always coming in with the with your legs. Yeah. So sometimes, and you'd have pants on, right? And you yeah. you were so good at walking, like you, you. I would have to remind myself that <laughs> underneath the pant leg, you know, were were prosthetics, uh, and you dealt with it so well. And yeah. yet, the more I'm reading and the more I'm understanding as to the whole experience, like you, I don't want to say. You put on a really brave face for so long. Yeah. And you weren't just fooling us, you were almost fooling yourself also. You fool yourself. Like, <laughs> I, I slept in a little today. Uh, I bought a car for, um, for, for my, for my uh, the runaround for me, my mom, my, uh, my girlfriend and stuff. Like, because there's never enough cars, right? This thing broke down. It was the middle of the night the other night, so I, I lost a whole night's sleep there. And then, you know, you pull in here and... Uh, I pulled in here and it's parked and then, hey, how's it going? One of the guys having a smoke says, I go, terrific. And you walk in because, because <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Stop and be like, oh man, let me tell you what the morning I've already had. I'm already 15 minutes late from the end and then at home, my dog, the dog's over my apartment that weren't supposed to be there. Like, it's, no, you know, you can't, if you're going to, the first person you got to fool in the morning is yourself, especially if you have challenges. And eventually though, the fooling can't, 
be fooling. You have to actually feel terrific. Or you start to have the, 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 uh, the negative effects really start to pile up. Because if you tell yourself you're terrific and there's that pain in your leg like I had, well, then you don't go to, to the guy to get it fixed. You know what I mean? And then you, and then and, and then oh, you take a painkiller. Oh, shoot. It's been a week. I should have got that fixed. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow, Monday. And then Monday rolls around. You're like, oh, yeah, I had that meeting with the chief of police or a mayor or constituents or veterans at, veterans affairs. or you know, like it's, There's so many things that you can prioritize above yourself. And it's that never-ending confusion of the of the contradiction that is the human condition. Like you gotta, you're we're we're programmed to look out for ourselves first. We are. We're like chimpanzees. We're like dogs. But then we also have that human uh, go-getiveness. You know, like we are just we're always trying to advance our status. Mm-hmm. And status usually comes at a cost of your physical. It's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy to try and figure out in your mind. Okay, where are you in figuring this out? Because at least you've taken an opportunity to step back from it. Because Mm. can can we go back to your on you're taking painkillers to deal with it? Stop painkillers, but then Father's Day, twenty eleven. You did okay. That's why recently I kind of dipped my toe into alcoholism. Okay. Because I was terrified of painkillers, so I was drinking booze too much. To cover the need or not want to have to pick up the painkillers. Both. And to just, ah, oh, at the end of the day, the drink. I never was like that. And then I thought, oh, this is politics. You know, everybody, a few of the guys, uh, a few of my colleagues have a drink at the end of the day. Uh, same with Parliament Hill, same provincially. And then same professionally, too, because you spend a lot of time around uh, contractors or engineers, like engineering firms, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, high tech, right? So, like, Shopify, LinkedIn, Bombardier, like, uh, when, the, when the military contractors are in town, like, these are all events that happen around an open bar. And not like you're supposed to abuse it. <laughs> But, you know, when you're not driving and you're in pain already and people know you'll enjoy a drink or two, uh, libations are handed to you at all times, you know? Like, I went to a fireman's, um, uh, the fire, the international, they're going to, I'm going to get a thousand tweets like, hey, asshole, you forgot we're, the International (laughs) Association of Firefighters, I think that's right. Great guys, great girls, great group of people, amazing work that, I mean, I always say our, our first responders are the first line of keeping our way of life the way it is, but they are like soldiers. They like to party. When it's, they work hard, they play hard. And that's who you're around. All That's who I was around. Yeah. So I just, you know, and I'm already in pain and it's the end of the day, I should already be home with my legs off because it's eight, nine at night. You just have too many drinks. And then that kept rolling into... Once I uh, moved out of my home where I was with my um, with my former partner and my kids, now now I'm even there's no even less reason to be home and there's you're bored. Anyway, 2017 was just a real snowball of a lot of things that were like a lot of plates I had spinning, and I lost a few. I know we're kind of bouncing around, but I'm trying to I'm trying to keep this as uh, I don't know. Well. I feel like this is reflective, yeah. however, of exactly where, <laughs> of exactly where you're at right now. Is yeah. that fair to say? 100%. Like when I look at everything that you, is going yeah. on, yeah. like I mean, gosh, well, okay. And in the middle of this, you write a book, and then in the middle of this, you oh, yeah. launch it. Like I mean, so I'm looking at I'm looking at 2017, right? But I'm like, gosh, I just interviewed you like a year and a half ago about your this book that you were, you know, the the ordinary heroes. Is that? When did that did one? Did you interview me for that on CTV? I did. Yeah, like Jody, we've we've I've done so much stuff with you that this. This is almost... the you've known me longer I than I've been a politician, than I've been a reality TV star, than like you. Yeah. As if I remember the first time we met, I think you still work. Were you working there when Kurt was there? Still yeah, there? Jody, I was there twenty years. Like morning. No, ten years on the morning. So you would have known me because Kurt left after I came back to Ottawa. I've been there. Gosh, I, yeah. And so we would have, anyway, we've known each other at like a surface level for a long time. Right. 
And you have, so if you interviewed me for Everyday Heroes on CTV, that book came out October 07. No, sorry, 17. And yeah, I was going to say this was recent, Jody. And you left, yeah, you left after New Year. Yeah, well, I left right before, right yeah, yeah. before New Year. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I forgot I had, and that's the thing. Like, you forget book, you have another book in book the mix. came out, did yeah. a quick tour bestseller before it even hits the You did the Paralympic stuff. Like, you did, like, I remember talking, no, it wasn't Paralympics. It was, um... Invictus. The Invictus game. Yeah. Like, I remember talking to you about your experience there, and, like, and that, I would think, would be probably the most emotional. Uh, yeah, or, it was rough. And also, and I had you, to go back to Kandahar. Yes, and you went oh, back. Cool. You went back for the oh. first time. So, yeah. like, I remember, like, there was, like... You yeah. were looking at me like you have no idea yeah. what on earth I'm going through <laughs> emotionally and physically right there. You were, uh, and I think you were actually in the chair because your legs yeah. at that point had given out on you. So, yeah. and you had gone back, you know, back into this place where all of this started in the first place. So I'm, sort of, yeah. I'm going to kind of go back there because there are some people who might be listening to this who don't fully know your story or the I background. Have no doubt. There, you know, a lot of us here in the city know, but I think what's nice is that we can share a little bit more of your story. Yeah. So we're back. And I, I've listened to some of the podcasts and some of these stories you've done about just how you got into the military in the first oh, place man. and bouncing around and kind of, you know, trying different things. Yeah. But you end up as a sniper. Yes. That's where you excelled. Or you I did pretty good. I became, yeah. I ended up a master sniper. It sounds super cool, but it really just means you get to do all the paperwork. At the end of the day, it's like being the bo- like your boss sniper, right? Actually, boss sniper. That's, that's a good a name. Yes, that that's so good. Boss sniper. Hashtag heard boss sniper. Heard um, heard first. So you're a basic sniper, yeah. which means you're a shooter and a, and a spotter, and that's like the sexy part of sniping that you see on TV. Donnie, Donnie, uh, Donnie Wahlberg in Donnie that movie. Donnie Wahlberg yeah. uh, out there doing his Navy SEAL wannabe shit, and then there's. Uh, there's a sniper dead commander and this is a canadian thing like we kind of we're called force multipliers leanne it's what are you called force multipliers which means every sniper you have a team a, t- a sniper team on the ground is worth uh, like a company's worth of troops because of the ground we can cover visually right okay. visually <laughs> yeah it's a great way of saying do more with less yeah yeah roger that 10-4 um so uh, then a sniper deck commander is like a, it's an intermediate sniper. You're now um, a team leader. So you are in command of a team of four or less. Okay. Right? And then there's advanced sniper, master sniper, which means you command a snipe, full sniper platoon. Uh, you're like the master sniper in that anything sniper related, the battalion or the brigade will turn to you and you then make decisions and assign uh, jobs. Is it like that guy saying to you, I've got the shot, can I take it? Is that you? Might or... be you as the okay. master sniper in back in the, the talk, the tactical. Yeah. Tactic talk. Oh, man. Okay. I've been out of the game. Anyway, so the, 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 the back at the HQ, you might be the guy on the radio saying, yeah, take the shot. Uh, or you're the one telling the general, like, my guys have the shot, they're going to take it type stuff. Like, you're kind of okay. like the liaison. But, uh, and then if you run a course... You decide who passes and who fails at the end of the day. Like your your rubber stamp on someone's certificate makes them a sniper as a master sniper. Okay, and it's is it more than just having a good shot? Like because you be there the are, you shot. talked about the math of of all that stuff, yeah. but there, isn't there so much that goes into shooting? Shooting like wind and, and like yeah. there's so much, right. right? But the worst shot could be the master sniper. It, like my, being master sniper has nothing to do with how good a shot you are. With your accuracy, it's, it's, a, it's just it's a course. Okay. It's 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 you know what they it's call it's not as fancy. You know as the guy can... that comes last in med school, right? That guy, he's still a doctor, right? So the worst guy in sniper course, which is still better than a lot of people, could still become the master sniper, right? It's gotcha. just, that's like the 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 paper side of the course. Okay. But it is time in. It is experience. Um, things you do learn on the job. So I'm saying that. So like, it's not because like. There's this mystical aura around military stuff, like, like well, Navy SEALs. Ooh, well, Navy there's Seals. Hollywood, right? right? We learn, we learn, and we see this via yeah. Hollywood, yeah, yeah, and yeah, so no, yeah, like Trust me asking me. you, Trust me, does it I, annoy you? Like, no, it's not annoying, but it's um, I have a cut the shit meter for movies, right? Okay, and where I, is the cut the shit? Where is that for you? It's it's get it's getting a lot lower. 
<laughs> yeah, I just saw the movie Rampage, and I'm like, soldiers aren't that stupid. They wouldn't do that. Uh, like, like even the, the the lowest trained, newest 17-year-old private isn't running into the mouth of a giant animal that's going to eat it. Like, yeah. they're not dumb. Yeah. So that is the cut. That, and then my tactical... Tactics and strategy are different, right? Strategy is your mission. Tactic is how you're going to get there. When I watch a movie now, like, unfortunately, because I'm looking for them to not show soldiers or police or whatever as being dumb, like, my, I look at the tactics as movement, and I'm just like, I, I go, yeah, they wouldn't do that. Like, that's not that's not how you would plan an attack. Guys, come on. You like, know what? Just... I watch TV shows, and I'm like, that was a bad edit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I look at things going, they they missed that edit. Like, the, yeah, they caught, like, 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 oh, like, I can't enjoy certain things either. Yeah, right yeah. there, that, the scene would have been perfect, you know? Or, yeah, and, I see or, things or like that. Or you'll watch a clip yeah. on, like, a morning news, and yeah. you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. But, no um... The shoot, going back a little bit here, so shooting, like, recently the Canadian uh, Special Operations guys did a shot at three and a half kilometers, give or take, I can't remember the exact number right now, but think about this, right? Um, A one millimeter error at the end of your barrel at three and a half kilometers is three and a half meters. Wow. Right? Yeah. So for a man-sized target, okay. Three and a half meters. People-sized, non-gender specific target, uh, right? Three and a half meters is your miss. That's a miss. That's massive miss. But at three yeah. and a half kilometers, three and a half meters is like you just missed, right? So that shooter had his crosshairs nowhere near his target. By the way, um, pulled the trigger and managed to make Carlos Hathcock, which was the greatest sniper since Vietnam, right up until uh, the modern era. He called it a swag, scientific wild ass guess. <laughs> but we all do it, Leanne. You yeah. used to do it in your job. Engineers do it when they blow a bridge or they blow a building or politicians do it. We all do it. Like, so this is what it is. Like, so you take all your experience, everything you know, everything you think you know, everything that you've seen, everything you can imagine, and you throw it into the pot and you come up with your guess as to what the outcome will be. Yeah. You're usually right. That's what makes you a professional. But That's what makes you wrong. successful. You're right. That was it, what makes you, that your guess or your... Well, it's going to be better than someone else's. Right, but that's what I mean. Like, if you are making a scientific wild-ass guess, it's based on everything, and science is all just experiments to see right. what will happen. but I would rather one person doing their swag over another person doing their but swag. that's the point. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah. you and your role as the media professional, I'm, I could be seen as a media professional because I had a podcast, I've yeah. written books, and this, but trust me, when it comes to media, you're yeah. the expert here. Shooting, I'm the expert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, we all have our roles, and so that's what I mean by the scientific wild ass guess. So those guys, they did the calculations, like you said, wind, distance, curvature of the earth, weight of the bullet, temperature of the air, temperature of the barrel, all these things come into effect, especially at that range. And and the guy said, if I remember the the wording of, because I saw the video, an undisclosed place in a spot that doesn't exist. What was it? As soon as he steps there, I'm going to pull the trigger. And the guy stepped there, he pulled the trigger, but the guy was walking. So they, these guys, like the, the shooters, like their their ability to make that shot, to me, is just... It's fascinating. Like, to me, I saw a miracle. That shot right. was a yeah. miracle. It'll never happen again, except it will. Like, trust me, we've doubled the range now of these rifles. And Canadians are the ones pushing it because our guys are sent to places where you have to be in gunfights, but they're not allowed to be in gunfights. So they have to figure out ways to be in gunfights without actually being in them. So the best way to do that is from far away. And that's why we so keep that's why, the So yeah. that's why we're some of the best. Yeah, like even when our guys broke the record in 2001 or 2002 in Afghanistan, um, they had no choice because they had to be effective in the battlefield to support our comrades, the American uh, troops over there, without actually being allowed, without actually being let off the leash. It's command. such a different way of looking at it, and it's, it makes such sense, yeah. especially with how our military involvement, or well, what we perceive it to be, Yeah, that you're doing it from these outlying areas. Yeah. You weren't in an outlying area. No, no. In fact, you were exactly in the middle of all of this. And yeah. I, I was, you know, I was, you were mentioning watching these Hollywood films, right? And you're kind of, where's yeah. the bullshit factor? 
when you see explosions, do you have a reaction? Like, mm-hmm. you you stepped on a landmine. Mm-hmm. There was, and I, I remember it because it was, it was at night, right? So yeah, you were wearing vision. your you had night vision, so yeah. it was it would have come across as um, everything went from green to black. So, but I, there was a very there's a millim, millisecond of orange. Like you ever you you have kids, right? How yeah. old's your oldest? Thirteen. Does he or she have firecrackers ever? She no, they do the sparkler that goes on a cake. <laughs> so the sparkler, you know, like where it actually is on the sparkler, yeah, like the spot where the, all the sparkles yeah. are coming from. How orange that is. Yes. That's the color orange I saw. For like a like a, the briefest of a millisecond. That was it. And then I was. Uh, black flying through the air, and then when I came to, yeah, it's like my night vision. I don't even know if they found my night vision goggles because the explosion blew them off my head. I was listening to um, to one of the podcasts that you did with Mark Hatfield, and it was it, you go into really good depth of the process because you had three other guys with you. Yeah, it was me, my sniper team, and then my boss, the master sniper, tagged along. Okay. There were a number of you, and it could have gone in so many different directions, right? The the, Honestly, the calculations of if one of us had to step on that bomb, I was the best one to and be able to save that others may live. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, it's it's weird. I the best scenario would have been I just stepped over it too, <laughs> but then <laughs> I wouldn't would be here. I probably don't have my kids. I might not have been a city count. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I got killed on the next corner where there was a bigger bomb. Who knows? Um, if my if me and my team had kept going, maybe we would have walked into an ambush and they all been wiped. I have, you have no idea. But if the guy in front of me had stepped on it, for sure would have killed me, uh, and he would have lost his legs. If the guy in front of him it could have killed both of us behind him, he lost his leg. You, there's no other way that that scenario would have worked out where only one of us is wounded. For sure, one of us or more would be killed, and for sure, things could have gone a lot worse. Uh, the outlook that you were able to say that, you know. Well, those are three of my best friends in the world. You know, one of them is Godfather of my kids. They saved my life. And I promise those guys, the guys that were on my team, uh, the two of them that were that were there, plus my boss, right? I promise the guys on my team, we're going to go home. We're all going home. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. I had no right to make that promise, but you, as a commander or a leader on the battlefield, you kind of have to say those types of things sometimes. And I think people need to believe it. I, I think in order to do what it is that you do, yeah. that we have no real concept. Those of us who are, haven't put ourselves in that situation, yeah. we can watch movies, we can read books, <laughs> but there's nothing like it. And, I, and I've tried to picture what that scenario was like. Yeah. Um, and, and them trying to help you and try to save you. I mean, with I, when I envision what this scenario looks like, it's... I wish there was video. I, want, I wish there was video because... Just because I watch videos on YouTube. The videos I have trouble with the most, honestly, like explosions in movies are all fake. So it's like grenades don't go off with fireballs. Like This is the thing, like, I, like most battlefield explosions look like firecrackers going off, just really big. There's no fire. Like There's nothing for fire anywhere. Like uh, napalm, but I mean, I don't think I ever saw a napalm. They don't really, it's like an American thing. We don't really use it in Canada, but. Um, but it would have been enough, but the explosion goes off. Mm-hmm. So you're in enemy territory. Like, you're at this yeah. point going, okay, which person, who's going to get to me first? Who's going to win the race? Who's going to win the race bad to get to me? Right. If the bad guys find you first, you're done. No, we would have fought them off. Or we would have fought to the last bullet or whatever. Right. I would have died anyway, regardless. Then you're waiting to be able to see that the good guys are going to find you first to be able yeah. to get you out and, and, yeah. and medically evacuate you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There, and, I, and I remember you saying, like, you were just mad that you weren't going to complete this mission. Well, I was like stupid. who? The, who is lying on the ground with you know one leg snipers. missing? Like snipers, special operations soldiers. That's how soldiers think. You know, like uh, I'm I'm not a football guy, but the guys that protect the quarterback, right? right? So if the guy who's supposed to protect the quarterback gets smashed, 
bends his knee the wrong way, like it like ruins his career, and the quarterback is tackled, first thing he's doing is apologizing to the quarterback got tackled. Because that's your job. Your job was, our job that night was to go in and screen for the enemy fleeing the battle group. And that didn't happen. The whole everything got scrapped that night because I stepped on a stupid little like a bomb smaller than this coffee cup. Yeah, I was fucking mad. I was you're very good. mad. You're, you're good. No, that. we're good. No, we're good. Um, and I was thirty years old. I was a master sniper, so I was as much as I make fun of it. At that time, it was the highest achievement I had physically. I was peaking. I was seen as one of the best in my in my unit. One of the best in my trade you know infantry in Canada I was part of the top 10 expected to go JTF expected to do this expect whether I achieved all that stuff or not after this I was still a command I had commanded a team in combat I had done many successful missions worked with the Green Berets worked with the the Navy SEALs worked with the Marines like we'd all inter- done well with all of this so I was my resume was stacked in those yeah. six months in Kandahar as well as everything else I had nothing but shades on for the rest of my career. And I knew it. And I and I wanted it. I didn't join at 17 for anything else except adventure. And that bomb took it all away. Right? So, yeah, I was mad. You know, but it doesn't kick in until later. Like, even yeah. now, I'm talking about it. I'm sitting here going, like, man, like, yeah. My buddies that are still doing it and I keep in touch with, like, sometimes they'll start talking and I'm just like, shut up. I don't want to hear it because that should be me. Like, I watch the boys rappelling out of the helicopter as they go onto the roof, and I'm like, I should be two roofs over covering them with my sniper team. Or, like, there. Like, I just, you know, I miss it. I miss it. And it's it's a gig that you don't do it to get rich. You don't do it for anything except personal satisfaction, and you do it for your friends, and you do it for your country. I buy into the whole queen and country thing, and it's... I think you there's got to be a point that you you need to you're putting your life on the on the line every single time you step out. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like when you look at our police, fire, ambulance, uh, our your politicians. Look, trust me, politics is service. Trust me on that one. But you need there's certain people you need that believe a hundred percent in this gig that we have going. Like the uh, city of the corporation, of the city of Ottawa doesn't function without people that believe that they're they're making they're doing things. For the good, there's they're they are serving this community as self. Like they, we, you sacrifice yourself a little bit every time. Like I went for six months at a time, you know, nine, twelve months, whatever. Uh, military deploy for our cops deploy every morning. They do every single morning, and they get a like right now might be the toughest time to be a police officer, uh, whether it's deserved or not because of social media, because of the, everyone thinks that they're an uh, action reporter now with their stupid videos on their phones, and everybody edits the video. Like, you see it every time a video comes out of whatever the incident is, usually in the States, because that's where a lot of stuff happens. Um, find out later the video is edited by the guy who put it up. Every time. Every single time. And then you watch the whole video and you go, oh, yeah, okay, it okay. makes sense why you shot that guy. Or... Might not have been a thing where you shoot someone, but you know what? I'm not the one who's in, who felt their life was in danger, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt there, fella. Every single time. And so they have to deal with that. The community they're trying to protect is like out to get them, basically. And they spend 95% of their day around shitty people. Who are just mad to see them. <laughs> you're, like, all, you're, you know, like, don't pull me over or, you know. When you have to yeah. see a cop, when you're the one who called them. Or you're stuck somewhere and you're like, I can't, like, I have no idea. I My car broke down at 3 in the morning. Uh, where was I? Bankfield and 416. Now, I had plenty of cell phone service, but if I didn't have service, the f- two people I would have been happy to see uh, are a reputable tow truck company <laughs> or a cop. That's it. Everybody else slowing down, you're like, eh, do I trust this person, right? You know, but so cops deal with that all day, every day. And, you know, and they do it every morning. They put that seat of Ottawa uh, patch on their shoulder and they step out to represent the corporation and they get shit on most of the time for it. Do you find that we shit on, that you felt shit on with the Canadian military? Did you find that you had Like by the respect? Military? Yeah, and by Canadians. I mean, you came back a wounded soldier. You, like... 
Sorry, what do you like, mean? Like, do, did I feel shit on? No, like, do you feel that people have a positive outlook on the Canadian military? That you feel that there's a respect from Canadians there in is general? Now. Yeah, when I joined, there wasn't. They wanted to just disband the army. Fighting was stupid. War is stupid. Fighting for land is stupid. I remember what I was Remembrance Day when I was eighteen, and it was still this post uh, Vietnam era type thinking Canadian is very what, what year did you unique. enter what year did you enter the military 94 and it was the decade of darkness and we still had this very there's a very unique Canadian attitude towards military and war that we can get into some other time but uh, basically when we first were formed as a confederation or a colony it was the British will protect us and then at some point post World War II it switched to oh the Americans will just protect us so we've always been Canada's always done their military on the cheap. Trust like it's it's not like it's a, a conscious thing. It's just well, if we really need help, somebody else will come and help us because you know we're Canadian. Yeah, but and yet I think as Canadians, we're always the one that people see us as helping, not well, necessarily tactically, but through yes, tactically. Different... Our peacekeeping reputation came because mm-hmm. we're the only pussies. We we weren't. We were the only ones. <laughs> sorry. Let me rephrase that. No, it, Everyone else yeah. was pussies, and us and the French Foreign Legion didn't run during the battle of several battles on and off doing peacekeeping missions where, oh, every other peacekeeping country runs away because what's the point? And Canada and a few others that are hard-nosed were like, well, no, if you really actually want to continue this war, we're here to keep the peace, mm-hmm. and you will have to go through us. Like, so that's how... Go- that's Google, how. Google, Google Maydak Pocket. Okay. And you'll see a story about Canadians, which went unreported. So how we became more of a peacekeeping... No, our reputation for peacekeeping was built around fighting. I was a bouncer, Leanne. The nicest bouncer is not the one you talk about. Right? The one with the rep... Like, Roadhouse. He wasn't the best bouncer. He wasn't the best bouncer because he was a nice guy. He ripped people's throats out with his hand. Like... There's a reason he was a sought-after bouncer, right? So if you're a sought-after peacekeeper, it's because they know, like, everyone else can run, but those guys, those Canadians, even though they have shitty equipment and their morale might be low, they're going to whoop some ass when the time comes. We didn't become the World War One most feared shock troops on the front. Like, oh, the Canadians are moving in? Great. Like, let's, uh, let's just pack our bags now because they're going to come and kill all of us. I need to do it. I think I need a We're refresher. We're not nice people when it comes no, to fighting. I hadn't seen us like that. This is... This is, these are things that I think are it's interesting. I like learning things that I don't know. Yeah. It's not that you, you knew it. You just didn't... I didn't know why. You didn't know the spin. No, I didn't. So this everything gets spun. Why is Canada such a great peacekeeping nation? Because we kill everybody who tries to break the peace. There's no other way to keep peace unless you kill everyone who's trying to break it. Like, you can't... You can't have both. It's not like we can walk around going, tut, tut now, young fella. Put that away. It's... You're in a country full of people that want to kill each other, so you gotta. Are you still? I I know you said you sometimes it's hard listening to your buddies telling you where they are or what's what going on. My buddies, like, do, yeah, yeah, well, like, no, it's just because I miss the adventure. But do you, do you see what they that they're enjoying the work? Or they like the work that there's. They the, love their work. Yeah, we're an all volunteer force, right? So, um, and we uh, the two the two time the one time we in World War One almost caused a civil war, right? French versus English, so we kind of learned our lesson there. I gotta be honest, I don't know if we went to conscription for World War II. I don't think we did. We now, now you've lost me. Here, now, yeah. Like the Rogan yeah, so I don't, there. yeah, and Gary Vee's not on the other end with like 10 people with, yeah, yeah. with phones. But that what are, I'm that saying is, yeah. like, um, I don't know how we got on this Canadian reputation for peacekeeping. See, this, See, I like this, this. is, this this is, is the, why. This is the setting I've been dying to talk to you in. Because I, I used to hate our four to eight minutes that we had together before. It, it's funny because that was the one thing that. Listen, I I loved what I did, right? But I there were so many guests that I had on that uh, I was dying to I go. Like I I and it would be like four minutes to talk about this, right? <laughs> four minutes to talk about like, hey, you've got a book, you know? Like there's an entire book of the stuff that we're talking about, but it's like you know, you've got your three like, what was the premise? You know, what's the reaction? Yeah, yeah. You know, and this like I know that there are so many interesting people and stories who have information and knowledge that are going to help other people, like. I like I was I was so excited when you're like yeah sure no problem like oh, but I'm like I was I honored when you asked me Leanne when you when you retired and then you announced your podcast it's like I'm not even gonna call her or text her or BBM her or whatever I'm like if she thinks I'm good enough to be on I'm just gonna wait for that call and when you called me I was like no fucking way 
Yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I was surprised because I didn't think I was good enough for your show. Jody, first of all, I was, I I think I messaged you pretty much right after. Not long. I no, but, you, you, but I was like, "There's a lot going on with you, Jody. Yeah. Are are you good to to yeah, come yeah. in?" And you were like, "Yeah, sure." And I'm like, "Okay," because at that point there was, you know, there's a vulnerability also to you. Uh, well, I, I think, appreciated that you actually waited until a while after because you just yeah. announced your podcast before New Year's, didn't you? Like right around, yeah, that I was doing it. Yeah. Um, like I mean, gosh, I'm only four. You're fourteen. Right, it, it's but fourteen can take a long time depending on how you do it. Like I, I didn't realize you had a studio. I thought I was going to your house. Like I said, Holly yeah. Lane. Yeah. I didn't know was this row of industrial buildings. Yeah. Now I know. Now yes. I know. But and it's a uh, pretty cool space. I mean, it's like, dope. Yeah. It's awesome yeah. to have a podcast studio. Like I wish I had one. My apartment living room, which is open concept, is my studio. But yeah, but you know how to, like. For me, like this is technical. Like Veronica's sitting back oh, there. Oh, I don't do any of this. Stuff. I know, but like, I, like everyone's got, like, just do it yourself, and I'm like, there's not a chance that I know how to do this and like to press the right buttons or know that it's gonna work out. And the that beautiful they, like, part about podcasting, though, is if we had the right app on my yeah. iPhone, we could do a podcast. Yes. And it's and, awesome. And I think there's some, and there's amazing ones out there. And I'm actually just opening myself up to what's yeah. out there and the stories that are being told. And everyone can find something that's, you know, interest mm. to them. Like on yours, like mm. a lot of people know with this, it's health, well, wellness, education, mm. information. And I'm trying to kind of go large spectrum on this, but like with yours, what is your focus? Uh, that's one of the reasons I stopped it like a year ago is I realized the focus was being lost. And it was becoming What did like, you intend it to be when you started? Um, just like a bro down. Okay. And not bro so down. So it wasn't as like military, like wasn't was it Well, it it started to become military, which yeah. is good. Yeah. It's fine. But I realized um I need to help uh military entrepreneurs. I need to help former military that are dealing with injuries. I need to help first respond and like by help like am I helping I don't know I'm gonna do something that I think will so give them a platform let them like a long mm-hmm. a long run right so like they can go on uh, CTV morning and talk to Leanne and say this weekend we're having the first responders run come help right. raise money cool and a few people will come up usually it's friends and family of the first responders um, and that's fine you raise some money but what are we really doing? Yeah, like I want to know what is that first responder going through? Why? Exactly. Why is there a need? Yeah. Where is the Where are the funds going? Is yeah. it going to what's rehab? It is it going for them to right? What What What's it for? But how did they get there in the first place? And so that I think is the question that people aren't asking. And I do think that as mental health and there's mm-hmm. more awareness that's coming about, but. You're speaking, and I think, you know, when you have your, the book, Unflinch, Unflinching. Unflinching, yeah, that's my book, about me. Yeah. yeah, but there comes a, like, and we're, we haven't even gone into the recovery and like, <laughs> how to use, like, I'm going to have to do, no, I realize that I'm just going to have to do two podcasts with you, like, that's just the way it's we can do gonna, We can do ten. We're probably going to end up doing a lot of them. I want to be a repeating guest. Well, we're already, we're, we're, we're there, because <laughs> I'm looking at the time, and I'm going, how am we going to get through all of this, because I think, let's. Let's save that. Let's go into mm. PTSD, mm. recovery, mm. why it's so difficult. I heard, um, I had I had an event a couple weeks ago, and I heard the amount of suicides amongst American military was astounding. I couldn't believe the numbers. What was the event? Do you remember? It was, but there was this, it was like Sergeant Ken, he's a boot camp guy, but he does a lot of the military training, like workouts, like... He's and, oh, no, wait, he's, he's an American. American black he's, guy. No, Sergeant no. Ken. No, he's he was white. He looks like Mr. Clean. But oh, he I know started that guy. yeah, but he started his he started his speech like his keynote and it was a statistic like it was like 40,000 a year. Like it was a a number that I the statistic or the number. Cuz you got to be careful. Yeah. That it was it was the suicide. St- the statistic yeah. is no bigger than the average population. Really? For That's me, well, still the numbers. It's I know. Still, it's still but American. See, here's the thing. Like, yeah, it doesn't take away from it. it Sorry, I, I don't. Say, I don't want it to take away from it because I shouldn't I, say it's no bigger. Yeah. It's not much bigger than what you would expect from an average population. Um, which is like not to, like. Listen, I'm military. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want my brothers and sisters killing themselves. 
based on what they experienced in their right. job right. protecting Canadians and having to see yeah. Well, you're talking events. Americans or Canadians? I'm talking both. I'm talking... I know, but that's, that's like, the confusing part. I'm not trying to mess yeah. with you. I'm trying to tell you, like... Well, this was just happened to be an American stat that I heard at an event. I don't know what the numbers are but for it's, Canadians, but, that's but the it's, thing. It, for one is is more than. But there one's going to happen, and that's the thing. I've learned enough of my friends have killed themselves that I think it's just a side of, and I don't mean to say it's just, but it's an it's something we have to accept as a side effect of the gig. And by gig, I mean the job. And so, why does it happen? I know guys that have killed themselves because they break up with their girlfriends. I know guys that have killed... I know one guy, his ex-wife sent his kids to live with him. This is the story. This is the the overall story. Financial. Um, uh, one of my buddies had survivor's guilt from when he him, his Jeep hit a mine and he was the only survivor. Um, uh, I've had thoughts once of like what life... What it would be like to like not be around it wasn't like I should kill myself but I had that thought once there was just so much going on and it was just be so much easier but it literally was the only time and it was like for a second right I've never had other thoughts thankfully and I, I recognize them but I think and then you gotta look at like there's there's high school kids there's college students there's teachers de- dentists apparently are the highest suicide yeah. rate in the well, can you imagine going to work every day and people a don't want to see you dentists? most like dentists most people do not sit in that dentist chair going my goodness i'm so happy to be at the dentist yeah, today but that and you can't no but 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 they're they can't communicate with their patients because their mouths are open like i actually can see like it, it's it so that means we're going to off ourselves we don't no, know i'm not saying we that i'm just know. saying i can understand in that Profession, right? Maybe why a little bit. My, maybe it's why it's a higher rate than. Okay, great. Yeah. So now we got we got you can. Oh my see god! It. I did not anticipate it's going you can to see this. it. Yeah. So yeah, okay. let's go back to the opening thing that you said. Look, at, yeah. and I'm not trying to mess with you. I no, want you to good. care, and yeah. I want you, but I want you to care for the right reasons. Military mental health advocates are not like any other marketing people out there. They will look for what the numbers and the statistics and the issues that will get your attention and get you to donate money or care. Great, perfect, awesome. I'm part of that group, I'm one of them. But when you throw out a statistic like 40,000 American, former American service personnel take their lives every year, okay, there's 10 million of these people per year. Like, like I, I, just, Google, I, I can't remember perfectly, if I remember right, three and a half million people retire from the, or not, sorry, American Armed Forces as a whole is 3% of the population, I believe. Wow. Might be, might be less. Three and a half percent of three and a half, 350 million is? You're the math genius here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, five million-ish, give or take. So then you see how many of those retire every year. You gotta, you're looking at, you know, a turnover rate of half a million a year, so... Da, 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 you add that up every year, like forty thousand of them killing themselves. You're like, well, yeah. I mean, there's there's millions of these people. I guess from there's my, I guess I want to be more sympathetic. I think I, I get that. I get that. But what are you're we right being sympathetic the... about? The number, the cause, or just the fact that they're killing themselves? If it's just the fact they're Listen. killing themselves and they just fall under suicide, because people kill themselves for no reason that we can tell. But you got somebody that's a hardened combat veteran. I'm sorry. I would think that the experiences of what you just even mentioned, your buddies going through survivor guilt. They're in a jeep, and every one of yeah, their comrades. Yeah. But they're died. also trained for these moments. I don't. I. Right? Fine. I. I guess I'm not. I'm not. I get that you're trained for these moments, and I get that officers are trained for moments and fire. Yeah. But and you get to. I look at the Humboldt t- tragedy. No one is prepared as much as we think to go to a scene of devastation and I do think that it does so take, who, so the Humboldt like, where you're yeah. talking about the first talking, responders yeah, or like, the bus driver like who's not prepared for that you're telling me that the first responders are no I'm not I, because I'm I don't telling think you that like, you're right that situation is probably something unique in every first responders career that they will probably never see anything like that again but they but 
when we talk about PTSD, when we like these PTSD, are things yeah. these are things where you're going about your life yeah. and in an instant your thoughts, your experiences change. Yes. And that's where I that's where I now we're back on the same page. Right. Okay. What are we really talking about? I learned because I live with someone with PTSD. I have not been diagnosed with PTSD at all. Um, was Alana? Alana, yeah. Well, she okay, was well, a, she was a like, combat com- medic. Like, and, and I mean, and I so, have, but she was your medic. I mean, yeah. you guys met. She I, wasn't my she, medic. She was part of the team, team that helped evacuate me. Like, she herself didn't, like, she put an IV in me and she her ambulance drove me to the evac spot. But. Jody, you, you end up marrying her. I mean, there's a story. Well, you get married. I have two children. I know. Okay. Listen, I'm not saying yeah. it's a, not an awesome romantic yes. story, but what I'm saying is Alana's PTSD didn't come from helping okay. yeah. me. Yeah, no. It okay. came from many situations over an entire career, not just in Afghanistan from her 23-year career as a Canadian Armed Forces member. She, she has three commendations for things that she did with civilians. She has three military commendations for saving lives outside the military. I was there for one of them. Mm-hmm. She's like a superhero. She jumps out of the truck with a Surville and and Innes. Um, coming out of Costco, somebody got T-boned, and we pulled up, and I, one cop is there running around like a squirrel, just looking for a spot. Like yeah. he was just so overwhelmed. And I pulled up, and I said, "Alana, you're up." And because she was on her phone, she goes, "What?" I go, "Back that van, injured people." Drops her phone. Look, I'm going to tear up. Right? We're, we don't even live together, but I'm telling you, seeing her. You know, she's not a, she's only like five, what is she, five, three, right? So she's small. Anyway, jumps out of the truck, dives in the shattered back window of this Toyota minivan, crawls up and stabilizes a three-year-old little girl's um, uh, spinal cord until the firefighters can extract her. Now, that little girl ended up passing away, but she lived long enough to be taken to the hospital because Alana jumped in the back of that vehicle and did what she does. And then she had to testify, and then she had to do this, and she had to meet the family. That whole experience is enough for one person to be like, fuck this, and like just throw everything over their shoulder and walk out of life. It's just another thing for Lana, right? So I'm saying her PTSD wasn't because of anything she saw. It's a multitude of things. PTSD is not something that only military first responders have. Like You could walk out of here now and see a dog hit by a car. For you, in your mind, that's enough for PTSD to set in temporarily. The problem we have, I think, is a whole in society is we don't take mental health seriously. You're normal until you're crazy. And that's not acceptable because you and I can go to the pharmacy across the street and get, like if you have a bad ankle, I'm fascinated with ankles because I don't have any anymore. But if you have a bad ankle and I have a bad wrist, the pharmacist could probably give us a like a like a yeah. like a, a bandage that'll support it. And if I have a cough, he or she could be like, yeah, just try this. Your cough sounds dry, try this. You could just get that over there. If you're feeling a little blue, like even saying I feel blue, like what does that even mean? And who do you talk to? We have a real problem with access to mental health care in this, like, in all of society, not just Canadian, the world. And we don't take it seriously. We there are still group societies in this world where they have like an annual cleansing of the soul type ceremony or they celebrate death or they celebrate tragedy not in a way to celebrate and feel sorry for themselves like we tend to do in the western world right now like 9-11 isn't seen as a thing to celebrate to be stronger it's almost turned into this like woe is me moment and I'm going to get a lot of shit for that but I'm yeah. okay with it but it's we Listen, need, that changed. I know the mood that you're changed, just like. Yeah, well, well, I no. feel like I took the air out of the room. No, you so didn't. I, no, it's just, and I think what you did is created another conversation, and I yeah, think that's sorry. no, it's and, <laughs> and it's a conversation that I think needs that needs time. It needs it needs to breathe and I it know. needs to kind of evolve. So I'm gonna save that one. I know we keep because are you because, making a list in well, there? Well, no, because I'm getting the whole and I'm looking at you know at the timing going. How much time I am we got in, left? We've been like an hour. <laughs> How much time do we got left? So, I'm um, like, well, I got to wrap. Cause, you want to okay, finish so, on like five minutes on one thing in specific? I want, yes. Because there's people that are listening and I want them to feel when they kind of press the, you know, stop button that they've 
that there's something for them to take from this. Yeah, I understand. Like, do you know what I, you know what I mean? No, I'm with you. And, and I think, I know, I've made a list of like three other topics that we're going to get onto because mm-hmm. we'll do this again. But a lot of it is for you is the never quit. Like, they're, they're, you've got your little mm-hmm. slogans. Um, and I think people are sitting here going, my gosh, this guy just bombarded me with <laughs> a thousand different I'm a little, I'm thoughts. I'm a little baffled myself about what I said. I'm going to have to listen to this myself yeah. and just yeah. figure out what the fuck am I talking about. <laughs> Do I have a point to any of this? Or I, I think just... you do. Like, well, you're passionate about yeah. things, and I think you're I true to your people. and you're true to yourself. Yeah. Um, and that's gotten you into your own trouble, kind of as it is. So, <laughs> okay, let me leave it with you. Like, if people are walking away from this, mm. and a, I think right off the top, you're like everyone should run for municipal uh, politics at one point. So there's. <laughs> That was the first no, thing. No, I'm serious about that. Yeah. Depending on what yeah. subject matter yeah. you want to get into, Leanne, we I, have we we are very. I want to ask. Okay, let, let me do it this way. Sure. With all of the things that I listed at the top of the yeah. y- your long list of things that yeah. you have accomplished, you also have two beautiful children. Oh, like best. Is there a? Let's go with this to end it. People are suffering. People are going through depressions. People have lost jobs. People are financially in trouble or scared. They're worried about how they're going to provide for their family. I'm all you, those things too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a way to enjoy and take things out of life. Like, yeah. Why, like, let's go with that. Because you've got two less, you've got a double, amp, double amputated, missing yeah. parts of your legs. You, <laughs> you've got a relationship which had the beautiful love story and then... We won't even get into that. I do like Alana. Well, we can you know, do but it yeah, later. you know, but you have two children from this. Like yeah. life, life does work. Like yeah, there is recovery. Yeah, yeah, that's you know that's a good that's a good way to put it. Like I made a, I made a decision a long time ago before I was ever hurt. Um, like I had depression as a teenager. Um, my parents split up. My you know my dad was an immigrant. Alcoholism on both sides. You're a product of the people who make you and you're a product of your environment. They're also a product of your decisions. One thing I try to do the most is own my decisions. And that's one of the things that gets me in a lot of shit uh, politically, I think, is I'm not, why are you at work? Why are you at work? Uh, well, I'm drinking too much. <clears throat> why would you say that? Oh my God, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I always look at, tra- like there's crisis that, um, crisis can be dealt with in two ways, the Tiger Woods way, which didn't go well at all, mm-hmm. or the David Letterman way. So David Letterman, if do you remember the when he got was trying someone was trying to blackmail him mm-hmm. for the affair? Yeah, he had? yeah. He and what he it. did? He went out and he said, "I'm paraphrasing. I normally do a funny monologue, but yeah. right now I'm going to say, hey, the guy who's trying to blackmail me, the cops are on the way to their house. Honey, you know I cheated on you, and I'm really sorry about that, and we're working on that, and that's nobody else's business. But this guy tried to make it everybody else's business, so I'm just going to do this. Owned it." Carried on with the show. Best ratings. Ratings went up. Okay. Tiger Woods, well, he's still recovering. So whenever I have a problem, and if being a public figure, right, I don't know if you read the article or the blog that that blogger, whose name I will not repeat here, tried to put out to smear me and my girlfriend that I have now, and my family, my former partner, completely unnecessary. But I, you have to own something to the extent that you can. So... Um, I made a decision a long time ago to own my mistakes as well as I can and to make a decision that every morning I'm in charge of me. So am I going to be in a good mood or a bad mood today? Well, uh, I want to be in a good mood. So when someone, like I said at the top, right? Yeah. Hey, how's it going today? Terrific. Is it terrific? It is if you want it to be, Jody. But why wouldn't it be terrific? Well, I got bills to pay. I'm behind on that. My kids are waiting for me there. I'm late for Leanne's podcast. My coffee is cold, and my battery on my iPhone is at like 12%. But other than that, the sun is shining. I'm not in a hoodie, you know, uh, so I'm not cold. And I got food in my belly, and that's another day. You know what I mean? So you got to balance it. So you could have been shitty like Leanne has never been shitty to me by the way I'm just saying as an example I could have walked in you would have every right to be mad at me because I was 10-15 minutes late um, I should have been uh, on time you, you know uh, there's a lot of reasons why you could have been not happy with me and been totally justified you decided no it's Jody I know him and I know we'll have a good podcast and you know whatever 
these are decisions we both made. I was fully yeah. prepared to get a blast, but carry on, and you were fully prepared to deal with me as yeah. I was, right? So these are decisions we made. If you had been mean to me, in my opinion, if you had been mean, I could have let that ruin my whole day. It's the decision. It's the mindset. That I think so, in. but you got to remember too. You're not going to win that every time. You're not. And you do it, and I do it. If you wake up in the morning, I wake up a lot of mornings. And I look at my prosthetics, and I'm just like, "Fuck!" Like I just don't want to deal with wearing those today. But then the list kicks in. This, 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 and this. So the decision is made to use the wheelchair. That used to be a really hard decision. Like that used to be an impossible decision for me. It was always always legs, 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 legs. Part of 2017 was learning to live without prosthetics. I travel. I remember that. I yeah. remember how how big of a deal it was for you. Well, it's I the took decision. The it's the decisions that we made. Okay. Okay. Because because I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, kicked off as much as this is a beautiful studio and everything. So what? So when will we have you back? Let's just we'll we'll book it Let's in. Just stop and we'll restart. do a part two. We're just gonna do that. We're gonna and we'll we'll start where we where we left off. I got like Veronica's looking at us. She's smiling. Are we going, really at no, hour no, one minute? No, we're not actually. We're more than that because I forgot to start it when we actually started. <laughs> so. Well, Four minutes? Uh, yeah, we're about 105. But I, you know, this is people the have to get out of here. Hey, hey, Mark, Mark Hatfield, <laughs> pay attention. You got to do better than this next time. Bro. I don't have a table for you to sign, though. That's the one thing I a did table? like. Yeah, did you not sign? Oh, no, because Mark came to you. Right? If I remember correctly. You yeah, guys even talked to, yeah, yeah, you guys even talked about what would happen on this vinyl couch that you guys were on. But usually Mark you sign you sign a table. Okay, we gotta wrap <laughs> this up. That is yeah, up. that is episode uh, fourteen of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, but uh, definitely we'll have uh, Jody back on. We'll we'll do a part two followed by a part three. Can you come on. on my podcast? Oh my god, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there we go. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a Cash Kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.